Hello, everybody. We have a very special episode of Pals with Bill Wadman today. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, attorney Paul Smith, who uh, is is known for having argued Lawrence v. Texas in front of the Supreme Court, which overturned the sodomy law in Texas, which led to gay marriage and and over 20 other cases in front of the Supreme Court. He's he's a real monster in this world and one of the great legal minds. So I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, I have notes because I'm a nerd. And I feel We're all young. nerds in this world. <laughs> the non-nerds are all selling cars in Oklahoma City and stuff like that. The you know, nerd. Isn't it funny how different, even since when you were in school in the '70s compared to now, how you can be a nerd and it's not a bad thing? It's probably better now. Yeah, you're right because the computer world is so cool. Yeah, that changed everything. Yeah, I think, I think it sort of did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul, where'd you grow up? Uh, well, it's interesting. I started in California. Family's all from California. Uh, and then when I was 11, my father, who was working for IBM, got transferred to New York. So we moved to Stanford, Connecticut, okay. and lived there through most of high school. And the last year of high school, my father got transferred to France. So we lived there for a year. Wow, you, you moved around. Yeah, that was, it was a, they used to call IBM. I've been moved. Sure. <clears throat> I like those, uh, you know, the, the ThinkPad computers. Right. Are named after the pad that actually said "think" on it back in the day. It did. Did you have those around oh, your sure. house? Oh, sure. All your those things, little signs. <laughs> think yeah. was the thing. It was quite a company at the time. Yeah, they still are in many ways. Uh, why law? Why did you end up in law? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think it had to do with the times. When I was in college, it was the era of Watergate, uh, and there were two heroes of that story: the reporters and the lawyers. Okay. Uh, and I guess on. More fundamentally, if you divide the world up, there are people who are into beauty, there are people into justice, uh, and there are people into money, I suppose. But I was always a justice guy, so uh, making the world fair. Yeah. Was, so it was some aspect of that. Even undergrad? What, what, did you imagine doing law even when you were an oh, undergrad? Oh, sure. No, I was a political science major, but, but I was taking constitutional law. And, oh, you were all yeah. in it from the beginning. I worked on the Hill for the summer, and yeah. the year that Nixon was impeached and things, so that I was all into it, yeah. That seems like, I mean, the, 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 the overall feel of things back then compared to today with all the stuff going, Trump going, I don't need you to talk politically. But just like in general, does it have that same sort of sense of just political upheaval that was well, happening yeah. in the Well, yeah. I mean, I think everything's more extreme now because Trump is more extreme than anything. But we used to think Nixon was just the devil. I know. Uh, and then people don't believe this. But when I was clerking in Washington and Reagan got elected, we thought this was the end of the world. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for the first couple of years... Reagan's stances on the Cold War, building up nuclear stuff. and I mean, he was kind of a scary guy at the beginning. Well, and he... he and you could still argue he was a scary guy other times. Cut, but, you he know. cut lots of things. He, you know, massive tax... Yeah. He was a... The AIDS crisis, all that stuff. Ran, he was terrible on AIDS, but right, he was, yeah. like, ran against welfare queens. I mean, he was pretty conservative. Yeah. And he yeah. brought a real lot of crazies into the Justice Department. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we did a lot on civil rights and that sort of stuff that was pretty terrible. Uh, but, you know, nowadays to somebody who's under 40, he's this sort of avuncular historical figure that right, 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 right. everybody kind Meeting of admires. 45, he was, he was the president in such a chunk of my life that it was almost like I didn't imagine there were other presidents. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was right. eight it was years like, from when I was five to 13. Like, you grew up with Roosevelt. I didn't it was remember like anybody else. <laughs> yeah, and right. then, you know, Bush takes over. It's all a different thing. Um, so if you were taking constitutional law classes in undergrad, when you went to Yale, 
I mean, Yale is known to be a, a, a very academic law program. It is, I suppose. The governmental most, law program, that well, kind of thing? Well, I mean, actually, they, they certainly think of themselves as academic, as yeah. scholarly, uh, and certainly produce the largest percentage of the class to go in to become professors themselves and deans of any of the schools. Yeah. Uh, and so that was a, a feature of it. But w- one of the great things about it was it was very small and uh, you know, one-third the size of Harvard. And if you got in there, you were going to have lots of opportunities. Yeah. There were no grades the first semester. So it was still not, that case? Is that still, still pass-fail in the first semester. In fact, okay. now Harvard is pass-fail in the first semester. Interesting. Um, and so it was a really nice place to go to school. I mean, New Haven wasn't so great in the 70s, but yeah. uh, uh, the school was wonderful. Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut, so like 20 minutes, 30 minutes north of New Haven. So, yeah, different You know what then. I'm speaking of. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you get out of school, you get a job. Did you go to firm life before you clerked? No, no. I went uh, in those days, a little less now, but in those days you went to clerk immediately. Okay. Uh, so I clerked in Vermont for the year. Yeah. was a judge who was on a court called the Second Circuit, which sure. is here in New York. Yeah. Uh, and was so Oaks, was it Judge Oaks? Yeah. And it was a, it was a nice job. You were in this little hippie town up in Vermont, and then for a week every month he would go to Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, so that was a cool year. Did uh, you follow along with him when you went to uh, when he went to, came to Manhattan? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So the whole time. Yeah. It was a. It was the only thing with the downside of it was. They would give you the princely sum of $65 a day yeah. to room and board in New York. Uh, or if you itemize, it would go up to 90 Ooh, very <laughs> impressive. Yeah. And so you basically could not stay in a hotel. Yeah. You had to sleep on people's couches. Sure. Uh, and so I had various, various friends, some of whom were clerking on the same court, but were in New York. And I would stay there. And then for $65 a day... If you weren't paying the hotel piece, you lived like a king in yeah, 1979. Well. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but so I, one of the one of the many many people whose uh, apartment I would sort of uh, sleep in it was the couch in the living room of an apartment shared by a friend of mine named Chuck and his roommate John Roberts. So, oh, really? So <laughs> that's fascinating. So I've known him a long time. <laughs> So that must be weird if you end up in court in front of him. It's just like, oh, remember when we used to yeah. drink beer at night or whatever? You know, that's yeah. Good. No, well, he clerked on that court that year, and then he clerked on the Supreme Court the next year with the same year I did. And so we've known each other forever. Uh, and when I first appeared in front of him, he gave me a little smirk and stuff. It was a yeah. little, it yeah. was kind of irritating, frankly. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so. So when you get clerkships, is a lot of that have to do with connections at law school because your professor knew. Oaks or that, I mean, is that kind of thing? A with lot some of, judges, it's about that. There's some political with some judges, it's not about that. Uh, Judge Oaks wasn't about that at all. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's, it's partly about credentials. It depends on what school you're going to and how right. well you did in school. And then there is a lot of professor stuff where the professor happens to know the judge and can vouch for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul's a really bright kid. You should bring him in. Right. And did that lead directly to the Supreme Court? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I did that the, se- the next year. Okay. So that was 80, 81. There was this election going on, and uh, I was talking to the Justice Department about going to work for them, and then Reagan got elected, so I stopped doing that. Yeah. Uh, and so I went into private practice after that. But all of the people who are uh, working as clerks at the court, I mean, there are how, – how many uh, people do each justice have as it was, clerks? It was generally uh, Four. Four. All right, so there's 20, 30 people right. each year who are, who are cycling in and out. Right. I mean, is do you did you choose uh, Justice Powell, or was that sort of like, oh, he had openings and you had some sort of connection or it's, knew him? It's or? kind of random, yeah. I mean, okay. you, you apply to all of them. 
some of them you get plucked out of the huge pile. Yeah. Either because one of the clerks who's there that year knows you, you, you or from, somebody makes yeah. a phone call from Yale or their judge makes a phone call. Yeah. Some something that gets you attention because, you yeah. know, they get they did then and even more now got, you know, hundreds of applications. Right? Yeah, but you were editor in chief. Right. Of the, right. No, that helped. <laughs> yeah. All of that stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the fact that you had clerked at a lower court, that probably also helped. Well, that was almost requirement required. Yeah. Okay. There was yeah, only yeah. one justice who hired people directly from law school for two years, and that was uh, White. So what does that feel like going from being in college to going through law school to sitting and helping write and decide things in the Supreme Court in four or five years? Yeah, it was a, it was a whirlwind time. It was moving very fast. I mean, there were several steps up that were big. One was finding myself as editor-in-chief of the Yale Law Journal, which sure. had to put out 1,800 pages of legal scholarship. Yeah. And it was entirely student-run. We didn't even talk to the faculty in those days about anything. So and who decides? Is it a big like, group democracy thing where they're just like, uh, decides what? Smith's the guy who, who becomes be editor-in-chief? In, in those days, at least at Yale, it was the class ahead of you as they were oh, really? picking their successors would pick you. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the system there is You've now. been doing a good job writing things last year. Yeah, yeah. You're the new boss. You seem like you're not crazy. We'll, we'll make you the editor-in-chief. Yeah, that was, it was a Soviet system, basically. Um, <laughs> And how many things end up being that way? It was, was, was a certain rant. I was totally stunned at the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it was that by itself opened up all sorts of opportunities, like a Supreme Court clerkship became f- likely at the, at that point. Yeah. But then to be in the Supreme Court was very heady. It, it was uh, it, it was in some ways was easier than being editor in chief of the journal because you weren't in charge of anything. You just had to get your work done, and the justice made the decisions. Sure. And those are hard cases. Yeah, uh, of course. And, and so one of the things you learn, I think, as a clerk generally is a little bit of humility. And most of those people in, in that age group, in those, at that strata of the legal profession, are not very humble. But you realize, gee, I, I wouldn't want to have to pick, make all these hard calls. Well, I mean, and like I just just doing some reading about Powell and decisions that he made along the way. I mean, some of his comments in Bowers, like, you know, that people talk about still and yeah, was, him talking about it years later saying, oh, maybe we made the wrong choice or I was on the wrong side of it. Or, yeah. I mean, these people are just people, right? Right. No, no. And, and Justice Powell especially was a person who made decisions not based on theory, but based on personal experience. Uh, yeah. And so that was his famous claim. Oh, I've never met any homosexual people or whatever. Right. right? But, yeah, but that, on the other hand, he was always pro-choice because yeah. he had this experience when he was in his law firm of. One of the messengers saying he was about to be prosecuted because his girlfriend had died from a coat hanger abortion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he got him, he saved him with the prosecutors and stuff. And so he was always said, we just can't have a world in which people do that. <laughs> and so, you know, that was the kind of guy he was. I mean, we had another case my year involving whether or not it was constitutional to start the registration for the draft up again, uh, which had been out of existence for a while, and but only register men. Yeah, anyway. of course. And the court ended up holding it was, but I wrote this memo saying, Justice, no, no, this is terrible. You got to yeah. register everybody. And he t- started telling me this story of what it was like in North Africa in 1942. Wow. <laughs> and the yeah. latrines and everything. And it's, right. that was the way he was deciding the case. So a very complicated figure in some ways. Well, I, I don't know that he was complicated. He was, first of all, he was literally the nicest person I ever met. Uh, and, but he was a guy who was plucked from a business career, business law career, to be a Supreme Court justice in his 60s. Uh, and didn't know much about constitutional law. That stuff doesn't and had happen to learn much it. anymore. No, that would never happen now. He, uh, he uh, and and he was a classic centrist who sort of thought we should try to find a way for a win-win solution in every case and give yeah. a little bit to both sides and balance this and be very practical. And I'm going to rely a lot on my life experience. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of what he was. And he was, you know, we, if we lived in a world where the justices were all like Justice Powell, we'd be a lot better off. I mean, it feels like there, <laughs> there's been a, again, don't need to get too deep into it, but just like, it feels like the whole thing has become more, the court always had a, a, a tilt in one direction, depending on who was leading it, who members who were on it. But it seemed like there was more leeway. There was more gray in the middle than there, there seems a, to be less. When I clerked, there was a ton of gray in the middle. There, was yeah. a, there were a couple of right wingers. There was Berger and Rehnquist. And there were a couple of clear left wingers, which was Brennan and Marshall. Sure. And the five in between, White Powell, Blackman, yeah. Stevens, Stewart, they were all kind of all over the place. Yeah. And so you didn't. You didn't think of cases as always coming out based on ideology. It was right. based on sort of arguments. And it might be 5-4, but they might be interesting, the stuff every, that's in the everything middle. Everything was a mix, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the court only became truly sort of 5-4 10 or 15 years later, where it was like they're the red team and the blue team kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I feel like there's also a thing that happens, and this is a slight sidebar, where the way that the press covers the court is so... It's superficial. The court decided this today. So, well, they didn't really decide that. It's way deeper than that. And there were dissents on both sides. And there's people who agreed and disagreed with each other. And they actually decided for these reasons have nothing to do with the ultimate mm-hmm. thing. You know, there's a lot of that that I think that the, the general public doesn't get a great picture of what the court does and how it works and what it's actually deciding. Well, maybe the, the, uh, the television can only do so much. Of course. Yeah. And the New York Times has traditionally tried very hard to be much more sophisticated about this using in the time of Linda Greenhouse or now Adam Liptak. But most people don't read the, yeah. the, the 500 word article in the New York Times about how the real technicalities of the case were decided. Right. And, you know, and some people in the press criticize the Times for being too lawyerish and not just covering the court like everything else. Right, right, right. Uh, so, of, of course, the, I mean, just from a you know, we, we need an educated populace to make good decisions in democracy sense. I think everyone could spend a little more time trying to figure out exactly what's going on since so many things get decided in some dissent that somebody wrote 20 years ago ends up being the argument that somebody makes today. Sure, that's you true. But, uh, the court is a is something that people pay attention to, but I'm, sh- I'm sure you're right. They only pay attention to it in this sort of outcome sense. That yeah. Is it for... Is, what I agree with or not what I agree with. Yeah. 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 And a lot of times somebody may do something you disagree with, but have a very logical line of reasoning. Right. As but far know as what's interesting it. about the court is people have this weird schizophrenic attitude toward it. It is by far the most admired institution in the federal government, maybe in any American government sure. anywhere. And that's because people think it actually does something serious. Sure. Uh, at the same time, people also know in their heart of hearts that the outcome of the cases depends on the ideology of these individual people. True. And so, and you know that because you look at the pitch battles that happen when there's a vacancy. Absolutely. And yeah. so we, we sort of keep these two ideas in our head at the same time, that the outcome has got something to do with something more than just politics, that it's law and that these guys are serious, guys and gals are serious. Uh, they're talking about the right answer and reasoning yeah, and that sort of thing. Yeah. On the other hand, we, we, we know and we think – that if we get Justice Kavanaugh on instead of Justice Garland, we're going to end up with Roe v. Wade being overruled because that happens to be what Justice Kavanaugh yeah. thinks is the right answer. And is that what, what does that have to do with law? That, again, historically, people have thought that a number of times when a new justice comes in, it ends up being very different. You know, yeah. Kennedy ended up being very different than people expected him to be. You know what I mean? Historically, that was true. That I think that era has ended. Because they do so much diligence, like when they're when – they're, 
It, it's partly diligence. It's partly that, especially on the right, they have developed this kind Farm of team. yeah, this this the whole way of, of bringing people along right from law school through the Federalist Society, through their various clerkships, sure. through their meetings, and through their publications and the vetting that they do. Uh, and there's a very clear set of beliefs you're supposed to adopt. And if you dissent, then you don't get considered. Yeah. Uh, and so by the time people get seriously considered for a judgeship, let alone a justiceship, their minds have been formed into a certain mode. Yeah. Uh, and that is not the way the world worked when Justice Brennan was appointed as a Republican and turned into the great lefty or yeah, yeah, Justice yeah, yeah. White, actually, the Democrat turned into a pretty right wing guy on some issues. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it is a different world. Uh, yeah. But you don't see that happening very much anymore. And I, I don't think we will. The world is more sad, polarized, right? actually, in some ways. Yeah. Now. But I mean, everything comes in waves, right? Like maybe it'll shift back the other way in 30, 40 years. I don't know. The polarization issue is really complicated. It's it's hard to see how it goes away. Yeah. Uh, once you get people into these camps, uh, how they start to bridge the gap. You know, when you have things like Facebook, which is and the, the cable news that are sure. creating these sort of separate uh, bu- thought bubbles where sure. people don't even encounter other ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just are taught that the other side is evil. And, Does the left have no similar sort of farm team mentality as far as judges go? Well, the left is not nearly as organized. Yeah. Uh, and there is no list. A more schizophrenic on what uh, they nobody believe, could, too. Nobody could put together the authoritative list of the justices that the president should pick from the way that Federalist Society can, partly because there's so many groups and yeah. so many minority interests and people would come down on anybody who purported to take the leadership role on that. Uh, and it, it is, uh, I, 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 but I do think in the end, because of the polarization of the country, you're not going to get a lot of, you're not going to get a justice picked uh, who is uh, going to suddenly turn out to be a closet right winger yeah, if yeah. there's ever a Democratic president next time. You know, Garland would have been a kind of a moderate justice, but he was picked on purpose. Which, yeah, to try because, to appeal to the Senate's right. conscience to say, you've got to at least put this guy on. That's the funny a, thing he's about old, him. he's yeah. in his 60s, and B, he's he's got you know, really strong credentials of being uh, anti-crime and all this sort of stuff. And it didn't work at all. Which makes you want to say, well, screw it. We're not going to go for the middle next time. We might as well just go all the way to the left and try to get somebody over there. Because that's what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Given that whole story, uh, if there's a Democrats are in charge anytime soon, they're not only going to be doing that, there's going to be a serious effort to try to add some more justices, which I I don't think will succeed. Has that been done since FDR? No, and it wasn't even done then. It was only tried. It failed. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he wanted to pack it, right? Like get it, get, yeah. add a bunch of justices and then put in his guys. Right, because the, the, the court was stymieing his new deal. Of course. In yeah, a time yeah, yeah, of yeah. great emergency. It's also a thing that people don't think about in history is how much political stuff was going on in the past. We all look oh, at yeah. it in some... Oh. oh, yeah. The 19th century was ugly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the absolutely. number of justices changed many times in the 19th century precisely because they didn't want to have the justice for Andrew Johnson to appoint or they did want one for somebody else to appoint. And yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. yeah, yeah. They were not great idealists in those days any more than we are now. It's funny. Things, things don't change as much as you think they no, would. No, human nature is what it is. And <laughs> our, our system is what it is, too, although it's, it's starting to not work very well because of the polarization. Congress doesn't work very well. Uh, it used to work better when the parties overlapped ideologically and deals could be cut more easily. Right. Even in the 80s, it felt like that. Oh, was yeah, no, totally. There were liberal Republicans in the 80s and conservative Democrats. Those are all gone. Yeah. Just in, it's like an impossibility. Mm-hmm. So like in situations where this is the one thing I never quite understood. When you were working at your firms, when you were working at Jenner, when you were working at, I'm sorry, your first, the firm you worked at a long time ago. It was called Onyx Klein and Far. What happened to them? They still uh, around? They're 
no, it, there's, it's sort of long gone at this okay. point. Little boutique firms don't last for 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, how is that a useful thing? Like you spending all the time, are you getting paid to work on big Supreme Court stuff at that level? Or is it just sort of like, it is so good for the firm to, for you to be working on that kind of stuff? It's a combination. Combination of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I mean, some of it is business development. Some of yeah. it is just because you want to do pro bono. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And some of it is you get paid. Uh, the appellate um, practice in a firm is not the great money maker, but it is extremely important to the stature and prestige of the firm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so firms are willing to invest in it. And when you're in that club these days in Washington, which I was up to three years ago, uh, every firm has their uh, Supreme Court practice. And the leaders of that feel great pressure to have at least one argument every year. Yeah, just and it's keep hard. up the press. Keep yes. up the good press. Yeah, no, say we're a player. And we can yeah. say to our clients back at the trial court, we can litigate your case all the way to the Supreme Court. You don't need to bring in some other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got the talent here, and we, we are one of the, the big sort of mocker firms. You know? I mean, that, always, that also makes me think about, like, how do they end up choosing you over any one of the other 10 people who might be qualified to, to make an argument? Is that, a, is that its own sort of... Well, there's probably 25 or 30 people who are sort of on that list at any one time. And it's sort of random. Yeah. Sometimes it has to do with whether you have substance. Even within a specific field, say, you know. Well, sometimes it does have to do with whether you happen to have a lot of copyright experience or something like that. Sometimes it's does somebody happen to know you to give them the name? Because you're talking generally about people making selections, either general counsels or lawyers from from across the country who don't know the club. Uh, And and, the other thing is that there's always two or three who are the most preeminent and have eight or nine arguments a year, former solicitor general types. Yeah, sure. And those guys are, they grab more more than their their lion's share of the arguments. And so that's, that's in part how it happens. But a lot of times they feel like they might not have spent as much time as somebody who's spent a year, you know, working on the the case. That is true. And uh, the lawyer, the lower court lawyers often feel like, what the hell? Yeah, he always comes in chance. here and is talking and like, how much time has he actually spent working on this argument? But, you know, the, the one thing is clear is that the existence of this club is in part reinforced by the justices themselves. They don't want to see newbies. Right. They yeah. want people that they know and trust and know how, to, know how to write a brief and know how to argue a case. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Even when you listen to arguments you make, you know, they go up and, you know, they'll say, hello, Mr. Smith, how are you today? You know, like <laughs> there's, there's like a, oh, yeah, <laughs> Paul's here. It's all yeah, right. And you can talk to them in a different way. Yes, and they yeah. talk to you in a different way. You think there's a different level of respect to well, you versus like some solicitor general from Oklahoma? Well, somebody they don't know, it's different. Yeah, they yeah. they don't know what to believe exactly because when you when you make a representation to them, you know, they may not think you're right about the law, but they're gonna they're not gonna think you're up there not knowing how Spouting to nonsense, yeah. right? Yeah, not helping them. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, want to yeah. be helped. It's a hard job yeah. to figure out what the answer of these cases is, and uh, so they like having people, even people from left and right, who fight it out, but people who know how to think in the way they have to think about it, which is to say any one case in the context of the larger fabric of the law sure. can compare across different areas of the law to analogies that they they would think about because they're generalists and they're not specialists. And yeah. sometimes they'll get somebody up there who's just a patent lawyer and has never done anything else and doesn't know how to think about broader yeah, issues. Sure. Yeah. And even even like like even if you're talking Lawrence, mm-hmm. you know, you're going all the way back to Griswold and Eisenstadt and, and Roe and all the rest of it. And that's just within that, that world. Yeah. But each one of those could tangent off into 12 other things and yeah. could really mess up their world for the next five years if they make. Well, a- sure. No, that, that's how they think. They don't want to mess up their world. They don't want, they don't yeah. want to 
create uncertainty. They want to resolve uncertainty. Yeah, it's, it's and, like a, and rules that are workable and clear. And that's why you have to talk to them about that stuff as opposed to like the facts of your case, which lawyers from the lower courts tend to want to come up and make a jury argument and say right. it would be really unfair if my client lost. Yeah. And they're like, hi. This is irrelevant to what guy, we're talking we, about here. We deny certain 8,000 cases a year yeah, in which yeah, a lot yeah. of injustice has happened. We don't fix injustice. Yeah, we yeah. make rules. Yeah. And, and that's a hard job. We don't need you helping us by telling us uh, how your poor client really had a bad day. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of because a lot of the cases that you look read about in the court, the people, the actual case that they're talking about, the people in the case are not not relevant. Yeah. Yeah. No. Or or not very sympathetic at all. Oh, well, that's you true go, too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you know, you well, go back yeah. to Miranda. You're like Miranda was a bad guy, yeah. but. Yeah. You take Lawrence. We we spent the whole time talking about the sanctity of relationships and lifetime relationships yeah. and how sexuality is a foundation for love and yeah. how sort of family and stuff. And these guys. Three guys in a weird love triangle. Well, they were one was jealous they, of the other one. I don't know. First of all, it's not entirely clear there was any sex happening at all. But if That's there was, they were never in a relationship yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it was yeah, a spontaneous yeah. drunken event if it happened at but, all. But it seems like going all the way back, in Lawrence, going all the way back, their first time they got fined. They ask for a larger fine so they can appeal it up. So right. these decisions that get made on, oh, this could be an interesting case to go all the way. People are looking for those constantly. Well, yeah, this in was a specific space. This was a wonderful story about how some cop who was a closeted gay guy was in a gay bar saying, we just had these two guys arrested for sodomy, which basically doesn't happen. Yeah. And the, the bartender happened to know a lawyer who to call and say, there's this case that you might want to know about That's that might that be a test found. case. And the, the lawyer then goes in and gets Lambda legal in there within three days. And they persuade these guys to make a test case out of it, Yeah, which was, you know, not an easy thing to do because these guys don't want to be the poster children for gay sex in those days. Certainly not in they, Texas. <laughs> no, they were like, Whoa, this is humility. You know, and that's how these arrests would happen. And people would just plead, even though they it's pretty clear they weren't doing anything. They yeah. were just obnoxious when the cops broke in the apartment. Well, that's what it sounds like when you yeah. read it and you go, well, these guys were drunk and they were, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then one guy says they're having, you know, yeah. anal sex. One guy says they're on oral sex. The other guys don't see any. It's like, OK, something didn't change from anal sex to oral sex to nothing in the case. This is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, no, it's no, absurd. But they were drunk and they were not mad and there was sort of a. Uh, Sort of gay pictures on the wall and things like that. And yeah. these police deputies are like, whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, I guess we have to arrest these guys. Yes, exactly. And then we have to figure out what to charge them with. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what happened. And that apparently. goes, so that, and then it ends up going all the way up. Well, none so. of that was known at the time. I didn't even know it at the time. So uh, what, at, at what point did you get pulled into that one? Only when they were thinking about going to the U.S. Supreme Court, they had lost in all the, the, the levels of the court system of Texas. Yeah, yeah. And that took a while. Uh, and... So then the question was, is it safe to go back to the Supreme Court? Is, is it a good idea to go back to the Supreme Court? How do we Turn go back to the Supreme Bowers. Court? Right. Or are they going to just reaffirm Bowers and make it worse for another generation? Right. Everybody was so burned by Bowers that everybody was very skittish. On the other hand, this was this perfect fact case. because was it 17 years, though? It was a long yeah. time. Well, not, not for the court to overrule itself. Yeah, That's but I'm just saying fair. that like, it wasn't like it was three years later. No, and, and in cultural, in cultural terms, it was like 50 years. You know, The world had changed yeah. in a way that pe from 86 to 2003, the legal profession had become incredibly pro-equality. The, the TV and movies and 
outlaw clerks. Everything had completely changed. Yeah. It's really quite remarkable. Uh, and so that plus you had this perfect fact story, which was at least as they were charged, they were two adults consensually having sex in a private home when the cops came in and yep. arrested them, yeah. took them to the police station in their underwear. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty unusual factual story, which is in many ways very, simple as possible. very sympathetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, nobody was in a park or anything like that, you know. Um, and so we took had this, this gem of a case, and the decision was made, oh, yeah, well, we should take it to the Supreme who makes, Court. Who makes those decisions? Who, who says... I mean, there's got to be a team of people, including people like you in a room where they say, is this the right time? I don't know. Yeah. Like this guy's on the court. Maybe he's going to retire. Maybe somebody else is going to come in. Yeah. This could it could get worse for us. As That's far why as they came to us a Jenner, because we knew the court. And this was the lawyers at Lambda Legal, which is sort of the leading le- gay rights litigation sure. shop. Yeah, yeah. And the, between the general lawyers and the Lambda lawyers, we talked about it. And the Lambda lawyers made the call. They didn't invite the entire movement to get involved in that question. Yeah. Uh, but it seemed like a fairly safe thing. If they were going to reaffirm Bowers, they didn't have any reason to take the case. They just would have denied cert. Okay, that is really interesting. And somebody, I was reading something that says that the guy on the other side, Rosenthal was his name? Yeah. Like, he wasn't, that his argument wasn't very strong. Well, once it got to the merits and we had the Supreme Court oral, oral argument, yeah. they didn't have the uh, Solicitor General of Texas argue. Do you, do you they, think it would have been different if the, if, the, if, those, if the bigger people in Texas had argued it? By the time we got to oral argument in that case, I think the case was was long decided. Except for Scalia, who just kind of pulled. No, no, no. There were, he tried to pull you down rat holes decided, the whole time. It was decided <laughs> with people in dissent, sure. But yeah. I, I think that there wasn't anybody on the court by that day who didn't know what they thought about Bowers versus Hardwick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we didn't know that, and you had to work as hard as you could. And certainly Scalia and Rehnquist were trying as hard as they could to make me look bad. But I don't Scalia think, was riding you that whole time. Yeah, it's he fascinating. Was, he was, although, you know, I mean, he's I, a bright guy. He's making arguments. I've but. seen Scalia ride people who he has disrespect for. Yeah, and it was it's much nastier. This was in a kind of it felt like we were all in this um, kabuki theater where we were playing roles. Yeah. He was supposed to ask me hard questions. I was supposed to answer them. We were all going to get through the half hour, and everybody up there, of course, knew what the vote was. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were not going to be surprised. And O'Connor and Rehnquist, O'Connor and Kennedy, that swing votes didn't say much. So we didn't have that information, but they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, in some sense, it felt like he didn't. He didn't act contemptuous. Yeah. Uh, and the entire audience was on my side. So yeah, he had. They were in funny. In, in a funny way, I think they were almost disciplined by the audience. It, it is interesting though, because even in that, like, Breyer tries to bring you down nineteenth century like laws and like, Oh, was this actually used in the 19th? It's like, well, it's irrelevant for what we're talking about right now. Like it almost feels like they're trying to burn some of your time. Like they're trying to, is that, is that the kind of thing that happens? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Or even O'Connor's arguments, like is what end, she ends up writing in her dissent. She yeah. brings it up in there. Like if this was true of, of, of homosexual and heterosexual people, would that still be, you know, over the line? Yeah. She talks about that. She was actually voted with us. She just had a different legal theory. She didn't yeah, protection yeah. theory. Yeah. Just I don't know. I just find all of this stuff really interesting. It is interesting. In that case in particular, there's all sorts of weird stuff in that argument about the flagpole sitting and things like that. Yes, that was great. (laughs) But you're like, yes. Okay, here's a question for you. I know we don't have too much time. Uh, The whole deeply rooted in the nation's history stuff Mm -hmm. that people keep pulling up, which apparently comes from Moore in 77. Well, that's one of the cases. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back. They use it all the time, though, Right. right? Like this idea that the United States 
and the morality of the United States is something in particular, ver- well, something so let, very specific. Let me, let me explain this to you. So, there is this thing called substantive due process. Yep. And what that is, is things the government can't do to you that have to be unconstitutional, even though they're not really in the Constitution. There, yep. There's no specific provision in the Bill of Rights. But all nine justices have always agreed there have to be things the government can't do to you. For example, it can't force you to have an abortion. Right. It can't tell you how many kids you can have. It can't stick a knife in you. It can't. Uh, in Griswold, we, we learned it can't tell you you can't use birth control with your spouse. Sure. Um, and so the question is, how do you identify these liberties that are Where's not specified? Yeah. And, and, and what's the source of that? And the conservatives like to really focus on whether the liberty has always been protected under the laws of the common law of the country, because then that's a, that gives you a way to identify it. It also gives you a way to limit it. Yeah, yeah. And, and course, so you yeah. don't get any new rights, like right. the right to get married or the right to True rights uh, to pro- privacy to and s- yeah. not to, to commit s- have sex with your same sex sure. partner or any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the liberals are like, no, no, no. We have to adapt our basic constitutional principles to the new world that we now live in. Right. And in Lawrence, the liberals won that by yeah, the world decisively. changes. Yeah, yeah. But and, they even used that in like uh, Glucksburg, right? Was the uh, Glucksburg was the, it was the main case on the other side, right? But that is also interesting. It's just like well. You know, people who are who are uh, uh, are going to die anyway. They want assisted suicide. Well, sorry, that's that's not part of our history. Therefore, right, right. it's just like these sort of kind of in, somewhat feels insane from a common sense point of view. <laughs> well, it isn't insane. It's just two different ways to think not about insane. coming I, up with these. That's ideas. strong. I guess. I guess I just mean that. Like, I sometimes I wonder when I listen to these things whether it's clarifying or obfuscating something that is simpler. Well, yes, I suppose that's fair, that there are times when the justices are, don't want you to win and they want to make it more confusing. You're, 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 they're putting barriers in the road for, yeah. your, for your argument. Yeah. So what's it like uh, not being in uh, firm life anymore? You like it better or, or just different? <laughs> well, it's just different. I mean, I like uh, Jenner for many, many reasons. It was a firm with wonderful values. So I was oppor- had the opportunity to do spectacular work, both paid work and civil rights work. Yeah. Uh, ended up you know, having a record as, as a civil libertarian, civil liberties, civil rights lawyer, even though I was being paid as a partner in a law firm. That was a great deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was 35 years in private practice. I was ready to teach. And yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to just be a teacher, which I really enjoy. Hadn't didn't know I would, whether I would enjoy it, but it seems to be something I'm really uh, in sync with. Then there was this election about the same time. So I took the second job of litigating at a nonprofit on democracy. And so I'm a little overburdened right now. Are the classes, uh, constitutional law classes or? Yeah. Gay rights, election law, constitutional yeah, yeah. law, stuff like that. Kids must uh, really, do, they have a little hero worship. They're just like, oh, you're the fancy guy who's done all these great they things. They like the stories. Of course. They, they do. Who know? doesn't like the stories? Because the professor, most of the professors haven't done that stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've, they've, they've done much. But, uh, you know, I'm not as academic as them. I don't have the, the law review articles that they have. What are you have. talking about? You went to Yale. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been. I just didn't. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paul, you got to get to your stuff, so I yeah, won't take right. too much well, long. That's fine. Thanks. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. It wasn't that bad, right? Yeah, not bad at all.